Welcome to Talking Robots, the podcast with an inside view on the science, technology, and business of intelligent robotics. Hi, I'm Sabine Howard from the Laboratory of Intelligent Systems at the EPFL in Lausanne, Switzerland. Two years after its debut, here we are now at 45 interviews with high-profile people in the field, almost 200,000 downloads, and a pretty good view of today's and tomorrow's robotics. For this final episode, we'll be talking to Dario Floriano, the initiator and director of Talking Robots, and I'll take you to the streets to see what people really think about robots. Hi Dario, welcome to Talking Robots. Hi Sabine. How would you summarize these two past years? Well, Talking Robots uh, was uh, intended from the very beginning as a series of uh, interviews, high-profile interviews, I would say, with the leaders in, in robotics. And I think we really succeeded in interviewing, I would say, a great portion of the most influential and, and visionary people in the field of robotics. Of course, not everybody has been interviewed, but I would say it, it, it's quite successful. And uh, it is... Uh, now time to, to stop it, even if it is uh, still uh, increasing its uh, success with the number of with the audience. I would like to take this opportunity to thank uh, all the people who made this podcast a success. I would like to start with our audience. Our audience has been growing over these uh, two years, and uh, we have been monitoring the numbers. We have been seeing that the number of downloaded interviews has been growing over time to almost 200,000, as you said, and this kept us really motivated with, with this podcast. I would like to thank all the persons who accepted to do an interview with us. These are very busy persons. Sometimes they did the interviews from their hotel rooms where they were traveling. Sometimes they, were, they came over here in Lausanne. So thank a lot also to those people. And then, of course... I would like to thank uh, you, Sabine, uh, and uh, Marcus before you also for doing all the background research, for making these interviews, and for actually translating what was a, an idea of a project into a reality. I would also like to thank uh, Peter, who is sitting with us in the room today, who, is, who has been doing all the recordings, the technical aspects of the sound, and of putting this uh, uh, podcast online. And I would like to thank also Daniel, Daniel, who has been uh, uh, designing the website and came up with a logo and a number of different things. So now that Talking Robots is finished, what's next? Well, Talking Robots, uh, yes, in a sense, it's finished. Uh, the files will be available online. Uh, they will still be at the same site, so people can continue to download them. And um, there is also a project of a book, uh, that um, we may be writing in the future by using some of the uh, selected materials that came out of the interviews and expanding a little bit more to the general audience to the future of robotics, but this is still a project. And also, of course, as you know, Sabine, I'm very glad to know that the, this podcast will continue. It will continue in a different format, in a format that is more accessible to a general audience, which will be more interactive and which will be much more varied than it is today. And uh, I know that you will be saying more at the end of this podcast today, but I already want our audience to write down in their bookmarks the new website, which will be robotspodcast.com. That is robotspodcast.com. Thanks, Dario. I also want to say thank you very much for, first of all, uh, creating Talking Robots and for directing it and for uh, giving us all the opportunity to work on such a, such a great project and uh, allow us to meet so many interesting people. It's my pleasure. 
Up till now, we've been leaving the floor to high-profile people in robotics and their ambitious visions, crazy projects, and faraway applications. But what do people on the street think? To find out, I went around with my pocket recorder. While the following interviews are not intended to represent the general opinion, they provide another source of information next to the papers, scientists, and the industry as to how robots will be affecting our future. With all the military driving robotics nowadays, my first stop ended up being an army recruitment office in the center of Boston. Luckily, they sent me straight to their sergeant. I'm Sergeant First Class Grayson. I'm the station commander for the army recruiting office in Boston. What is a robot for you? Uh, when I think of robots, I'm thinking of uh, robots with military applications uh, and stuff through DARPA, where you see the unmanned vehicles, unmanned aerial vehicles. I know DARPA has been doing a lot of competitions on uh, unmanned land craft that can navigate by themselves without direct input. So it's not just remote controlled, it's completely running on its own. And uh, it seems like more and more defense applications with, with robots every time I turn around. And do you see the use and need of these robots uh, for the military? Oh, absolutely. The, the things that I have been seeing um, on Discovery Channel, Learning Channel, places like that, uh, looks like it's going to be uh, really, really good to put more robots out into the field and you have fewer soldiers out there and exposed to, to the dangers. You know, in, a, in a perfect world, we'd be able to handle everything we needed to handle entirely robotically and, and never have to risk the life of a human soldier. Does this mean that the, the way soldiers are prepared will have to change with respect to, to these robots, maybe more technical? I would, I would say that uh, based on my limited knowledge, it would seem that we would have to definitely be more technical uh, longer times in school uh, training on the equipment as it gets more technical. Uh, the same as it is you know, right now, changing from back in the old days of, of flintlock muskets to uh, the, the M16s and M4s that we have now. Uh, as it gets more and more advanced and more and more technical, then we have to do a lot more training and, and have um, better quality of training. Regarding robots in the military, do you think at one point we'll have to create laws or limits on what we can and can't do with robots? I don't. I don't really know. Uh, it's you start getting into the legalities of things, and it, it just gets to be such a big field. You know, I, I would think that. Uh, wow. Yeah, that just it gets so deep. I I, I can't really say. I I would assume yes because. The way I understand certain laws now, say, assault laws, and where if I, I take a step outside of the rules of war, then I can be punished for it. Those laws are all directed and written in respect of violence by persons on persons. So I don't know if it would apply to you know, something happening with robots. And There's some pretty, pretty interesting lawyers out there. And in your everyday life, do you see a... A use of robots, for example, to help you in your household? I, I can see where there would be applications. I still picture it as kind of a, a Jetsons sort of thing. Um, even things like the, the Roomba, uh, robotic vacuum cleaners and things like that still seem like they're, they're not quite at a point where, hey, this is really good for an everyday application. Um, 
the, the swimming pool cleaners, I guess you could think, have as robots somewhat that put them in there and let them go and they drive around the bottom of the pool, something along those lines. But as far as humanoid-type robots, uh, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening in my, in my lifespan. Could you imagine a robot which you would like to see appear in the next 20 years? I go to the, the comic book uh, thoughts and stuff, or, or once again, like the Jetsons, I, I think it would be fantastic uh, to have um, robots like in the, the iRobot uh, book. Uh, Asimov, I believe, was the author. Uh, and that would be really, really neat to have that going on. The flip side of it is, is as as robots are coming on and, and taking on all these these jobs and, and tasks that people don't want to take on we start losing that part of the workforce and so where do we employ the folks that had historically been doing the jobs that were being replaced by robots it makes you wonder but personally yeah i'd like i'd like to have a robot that'd go around and mow my lawn and put out my fertilizer and pick up after my dog thank you for your time you bet my next stop was a tour guide in quincy market Hi, I'm uh, Alice. I'm from Boston, and I'm working with Old Town Trolley here in Faneuil Hall Marketplace. Okay, do you know what a robot is? Uh, yes, but there are many different kinds of robots, so I don't know what kind of robot you're looking for. The first one which pops into your mind. Um, oh, wow. I guess there's um, the toy robots that they have for kids. That, like the dinosaurs, which move dinosaurs, around? Dinosaurs, the... Um, electronic, like uh, like soldiers or something, uh, like the Power Rangers, something like that. So nothing really scary, because people usually no. see the Hollywood robots. There's also the vacuum, the, the uh, what is it called, Roomba? The Roomba, That's yeah. a robot that does all the work for you, so, say they say. So. Do you think robots can help you in your everyday life? Huh? Um, depending on what. <laughs> um... As in, like, the vacuum, yes. Um, as in serving me dinner, no. <laughs> Brushing my teeth, no. Um, if you... I guess if another way of describing robot is something that's within the house and you just switch it on and they do, like, once you're in, in and out of the house, it switches the light on and when you're out, it turns it off. Um, could provide security. Uh, that's another way... I perceive it doesn't have to be like human-like. Um, anything that's like electronic that has um, human sensors, that's what I perceive as a robot in a way. Do you think robots could help people visit Boston, for example, walking around in the street and sort of pointing them to interesting uh, historical sites? Um, I don't know. I kind of think that's more should be left to the human uh, encounter because then you lose touch and how do I say um, it's kind of like the uh, ATM machines you're not really dealing with a person and I think people want to be want to deal with uh, real people talking about the history because um, robots are made by humans and they can you know they can feel also so I, I can't say that it can do all the work of a human. Um, I, I can't really explain. It's just... Uh, You'd want a human. You wouldn't want I'd a want robot. I want a human. Yeah, I don't want a robot. I mean, 
as for like outer space things like that going you know to another like planet other than um, the moon or like to go onto a planet maybe that would be helpful you know but not in everyday life really um, so it's really to do things that humans can't do yes yeah so if something happens you know it's not taking a human life it's just a mechanical object that's has human um, human like movements and stuff so that that I think is more um, how do I say huh. I think that's a much better way of using a robot than in everyday life would you have a robot drive you to work for example no. a robot car no no, no way <laughs> thanks a lot you're welcome <laughs> After walking around the city, I sat down for a coffee next to a perfect stranger who ended up being a science fiction writer. Hi, my name is Jack Graham. I'm from Cambridge, Massachusetts. And do you know do you know any robots? Uh, not real ones. Um, there are several who are characters in the stories that I've written that I'm very familiar with. What type of characters? Uh, well, I. Uh, I actually write a lot of science fiction, and uh, the protagonist in one of the stories that I finished recently was uh, a robotic paint spraying arm in a car factory who became sentient uh, due to, um, well, you're, some of your listeners are probably familiar with the concept of emergent behaviors, which is kind of a controversial idea in the roadway to artificial generalized intelligence um, and this uh, paint spraying arm emerged due to a conflict in its programming regarding color choices on a car body and uh, eventually became a trade union leader among its kind and um, by the end of the story is uh, leading a actually benevolent robot uprising against a human military figure who would like to destroy the entire planet because he feels that the robots have gained too much power and the humans have become too dependent on them. So, I, I spent a bit of time thinking about these things. Sorry, I'm not the average man on the street you were that's, looking for. That's incredible. <laughs> so, um, so one thing I see a lot is that what people see from robots is what they see in Hollywood and stories, which tends to be a bit scary. Uh, do you think a robot is scary in some sense? Uh, I think that uh, humans are little bit more frightening than robots I mean really a, when it gets to the point where we're uh, there's nothing to be afraid of uh, as far as a, a robot that doesn't have any intelligence of its own because obviously it'll only do what it's programmed to do I, I think where people start to get into these Terminator scenarios is when we start to think about what's going to happen when our machines start thinking for themselves which probably will happen. There are a lot of schools of thought on how it happens and how long it'll take, but it is probably an inevitable development. And if you um, if you think about humanity and what we value, if, if you uh, program a robot with human values, you're going to get some good ones and some bad ones. And um, I... Personally, I subscribe to the theory of, of AGI that we're, we're going to get to a point where um, 
the bodies that we've put these programs in start to determine what their needs and desires are. Like, I don't think that you get artificial intelligence by just programming a computer in a box to think of. I think that you get to it by creating an actual being that needs to learn things in order to survive and thrive in its world. And uh, if you teach them to be greedy, acquisitive bastards like us, then they'll be greedy, acquisitive bastards, and yeah, maybe they would turn on us and wipe us out. So do you think we should put limits on what we can and can't do? Should there be laws? And already now, I mean, we're starting to think about all this, so... Um, oh, geez. I... I think it's important that people are thinking about these things. I don't think that we're really at a point yet where a lot of laws and regulation regarding what you can and can't do are going to help us. And I also don't think that the whole Isaac Asimov laws of robotics scenario that has been talked about so much is really feasible because... I think when Asimov thought about that, he was he was envisioning a kind of robot where it would be mostly solid state. Like most of its programming would, would be hard-coded into its circuitry, and so somehow it would have these directives that it just wouldn't be able to change, but we now know that the robots that are probably going to be able to think to themselves to the point for themselves to the point where this becomes an issue, they're going to be mostly software, and if they're smart enough, they're going to be able to just rewrite themselves. So... I think we should think more about cleaning up our own house and being a good influence on them than worrying about what they're going to be programmed to do. More on what we're capable of doing today. Do you see any robots which could be useful in, in your household? For example, vacuum cleaner robots, robot cars which could drive you around? Oh, um, actually, I... I think the idea of robots that do cleaning and household tasks like that is incredibly appealing. Um, and, you know, I, I hope I never find myself having a conversation with a robot like that because then I've got a house slave and that's a really disturbing thought. But if something can be programmed to have enough intelligence to program to do these tasks while remaining below the level of self-awareness. I think that would be awesome because, I mean, who likes cleaning? Not me. So maybe what's your what's your background? Did you study science? Because you sound like you know a lot about it. Um, not really. I, I was a fiction writing major in college and uh, I've always been interested in writing sci-fi. Um, I work as a web developer. Um, I actually have a website at www.lonesomerobot.com where some of my stories are. And I, I do a lot of research on them. I try, to, um, I try to read a lot about robotics. I try to read a lot about AI and AGI. Um, and I'm also just really, I think really though where I'm coming from is I'm, I'm really interested in kind of extrapolating what happens to human society in the future and what things are going to be like a hundred years or a thousand years down the road depending on the choices that we make now. And what do you think the end of the story is? I'm an optimist. I, I think that human beings have a very good chance of surviving to the point where we get off this planet and start spreading out into other planets and eventually into other star systems. And I think that there's unfortunately a very good chance that we're going to really wreck this planet before we get off it, which I... I really hope won't happen, but 
I don't see people exercising the necessary restraint now. But I think, uh, I don't know, maybe if we lose Earth, we'll learn our lesson and not screw up the next planet we land on. Thanks. Let's hope. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, no problem. Thank you. Finally, I talked to an employee at a retirement home here in Lausanne. Hi, Sabine. My name is Anne-Rose Richard, and I have been working in La Fondation Clémence for 22 years now. And what is your job here? My job is looking after the people who come only the day to our place. So some people come during the day and then are able to go home at night? Yes, that's my job, exactly what you said, yes. So many scientists think that it could be useful for elderly people to basically have robots which would allow them to maybe stay at home longer or to have company. Do you think robots could be useful for, for elderly people? Well, I have no experience in this area, but in my mind I think robots will not be a good experience for elderly people. Why is that? I think a robot cannot smile at you, cannot give you a, a warm hug, cannot uh, look after you the same way that people do. So what if a robot was capable of having feelings or being maybe more human-like? Well, I don't think robots have feelings in, in my experience. Okay, and do you think uh, there are some people who are thinking of, for example, having smart homes, which would mean they would put cameras around the house where the, the old person would live, and then they would be able to uh, sense if the person is not doing well and send a, some sort of signal to, to, to people uh, such as yourself who could come and help them? This is a bit different. I think this would help people, especially to look after their key when they are lost or things like this, but... Uh, it would not substitute a person who comes and say hello to you anyway. And you in your everyday life, do you see a use to, to having robots in your home? Not at all, no. Do you think it's because there has you just haven't found the right robot? Would, could you imagine a robot which maybe you would find useful? Well, I think it's, it's too crazy for me. I don't like so much techniques and I prefer uh, a handchair... Uh, a good time with a friend to drink uh, something at my place, but I don't like robots. Thanks for your time. Thank you for your coming to me. In the end, and on behalf of the whole Talking Robots team, we would like to say thanks to all of you for tuning in. Because we've loved podcasting and can't imagine stopping now, we hope you will all join us for Robots, our new podcast for news and views on robotics at robotspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you in two weeks. Talking Robots, the inside view on robotics. For more information on past and upcoming podcasts, visit our website at lis.epfl.ch.